All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Positive Friday edition of the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440, Oilers Nation, YouTube and Facebook. How are you? Happy Positive Friday. As always, the Greger Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca, where, hey, you could have a double dose of uh, Oilers. Home action tonight and tomorrow, a rare back-to-back home games for the uh, Edmonton owners. Tonight, it's the Minnesota Wild. Calvin Pickard will get the start. Ryan Nugent Hopkins will return to the lineup. And then tomorrow, they'll play the Calgary Flames, where Stuart Skinner will be back in between the pipes. Nugent Hopkins returns to the lineup. Sam Gagne will come out. We'll get to the lines in a second. And uh, just remember, if you've uh, yet to play at PlayAlberta.ca, you uh, use the promo code SPORTS50. And we'll get a free $50 wager. The uh, lines tonight uh, with the return of Nugent Hopkins. The uh, head coach is not going to uh, change the uh, McDavid line. He liked Warren Fogle's game last game, so he'll reward him and he'll give him another opportunity. He will uh, stay up with McDavid and Hyman. Nugent Hopkins will slot in on the left wing with Leon Dreisaitl and Evander Kane. Then you will have... Yanmark, McLeod, and Perry as the uh, third line. Holloway, Ryan, and Brown will be the fourth line, although the uh, head coach did say that uh, Dylan Holloway is going to take some shifts down the middle as well, uh, likely coming out of uh, penalties is what I'm guessing. It's usually what he does. He uses his six penalty killers, and then he uses the other six in in the two lines afterwards. And with Derek Ryan being one of the six penalty killers, then uh, that means uh, Holloway will be uh, centering and that uh, probably could be uh, centering the, uh, you know, like a Corey Perry uh, line uh, combination with uh, uh, probably Evander Kane would uh, would be my guess maybe for a shift. And then you have uh, Drysaddle, Hyman, and uh, McDavid because uh, that's usually the uh, the combination that comes out uh, directly after the uh, the penalty is uh, the two big dogs and uh, and Zach Hyman. Uh, meanwhile, Minnesota comes to town. Uh, Gustafson will get the start in goal for them. So I know Marc-Andre Fleury. Their top line is rolling right now. Kaprizov, Erickson Eck, and Matt Boldy. They have combined for uh, 16 goals in the last seven games for Minnesota. The rest of their lo- team has 12. They've been scoring a lot lately, but they've been giving up a lot. So uh, this might be one where you take the over if you like a little uh, high-end offense. And also, if you're a fan of young players, I'm telling you today, if the season ended right now today, Brock Faber would be the guy that I think should win the Calder. Go look at his numbers. Since December 1st, he has played more minutes than any player in the NHL. 
as a rookie defenseman, he's averaging 26 minutes and 20 seconds a game. And he's doing well. It's not like they're just playing him and he's just getting crushed. He's playing exceptionally well. It is hard to be a rookie defender in the NHL. And it's especially hard. Like, he's top 10 in minutes played against elite players. He'll see a lot of McDavid tonight. Young rookie defenseman. But uh, they don't shy away at all. And I talked to Chris Knobloch about, you know, matchups. And, you know, what he doesn't... He doesn't search too hard. He's like, hey, I'll play McDavid against anybody. Because the last thing he feels some of those guys is, you know, you put them out there and then it's like, oh, no, come back, come back now. We're going to make a change. He doesn't like that. So, um, you know, w- will you see Erickson Eck uh, against McDavid? Probably. Now, Erickson Eck usually is more of a if, with some defensive line mates than he is with Kaprizov and Boldy. So, you know, that could be an interesting matchup. Could be a high octane where both teams will benefit if they have the puck. Right? Obviously, Edmonton would love to force Kaprizov and Boldy to defend, just like Minnesota wants to do the same for the orders line. So uh, we'll see how much uh, they match up against one another tonight. And uh, the orders, who would have thunk? Because I remember doing the show. It was a Friday, November 10th. The orders had just lost to the San Jose Sharks. And unfortunately, the uh, the quest... For the cul-de-sac began for years truly. It wasn't fun. Not going to lie. Still uh, still have nightmares waking up in a deep sweat thinking about it. But anyway, on November 10th, the Edmonton Oilers. So that would be, what, 15 weeks ago? My math is uh, correct. Maybe 14, but I think 15. The Oilers were 20 points behind Vegas. Many order fans are like, we have the text. We can go through the line. They thought the season was over. We were very annoyed. Now, they did win the next day against Seattle, and then they fired uh, Jay Woodcroft on Sunday the 12th of November, and uh, Chris Knobloch was hired. And since then, the orders have been on a heater. The best team in the NHL since November 12th. Vegas has been 24th. Who would have thunk? That's why when people say it's a long season, that's a real prime example. The orders tonight win a game. It doesn't matter if it's in regulation. It could be in overtime. It could be at a shootout. It doesn't matter. Win the game, and the orders move into second place in the Pacific Division. They will be in a tie 70 points with Vegas, but they'll have three games at hand. They'll have more regulation wins. They'll have more wins. They'll have every tiebreaker and three extra games. And then... They'd be 10 back of Vancouver with five games in hand. They'd also move closer to Dallas and Colorado, where you'd be five and six points behind those teams with four games in hand. And when you consider that Edmonton, now Edmonton has been the best home team in the NHL since Knobloch took over, 16-2-1. Really impressive. Colorado, Winnipeg, Vancouver, second, third, and fourth best records. Home ice advantage, I think in the West where it is tight, is going to matter. And then the extra bonus this year is for whatever reason, I, there, I can't find an explanation because we've never seen it before. Connor McDavid's home to road splits, there's a significant difference. He has 47 points in 19 home games with Knobloch and 28 points in 21 road games. It's not like he's bad on the road. 28 points in 21 games, most guys are doing cartwheels. But 28 and 21, do the math, compared to 47 and 19, right? It's significant difference. He's almost at two and a half points a game on home ice under Knobloch. So I don't care why the reason. I don't understand it. It's not saying he can't be productive on the road. But this is the year, maybe more than ever, you want the orders to have home ice advantage, at least for a round. But remember, even if they don't catch Vancouver, They could get home ice advantage in the first round and still have home ice advantage in the third round if they get past Vancouver, assuming they win their first round. Because you can catch Dallas, you can catch Colorado. They're they're closer than Vancouver. And you got a lot of games in hand on all these teams. So the orders, it's a big weekend. And it won't be easy, the four remaining games, because Minnesota, Calgary, LA, and St. Louis, all of them are either six, three, and one or six and four in their last ten games. They're playing well. It's not going to be pushovers. 
But the Edmonton Oilers are also a pretty good hockey club. Now, they've had some hiccups lately, but nothing catastrophic. They are still winners of 20 of their last 24 games. It's not bad, right? If if that's if that is considered brutal, then away you go. Now I know they're four, three, and one in the in their last eight, right? So obviously they want to play better, but you win these two games on the weekend. And now you're six, three, and one coming out of the All Star break. Take that all day long. You're gonna be six fifty points percentage every ten games. Oof. You're doing really well. That's just how it goes. So you know that puts you on a hundred hundred what seven point pace on a full season so you take it all day long so i am uh, i'm very intrigued to see tonight how the orders uh match up minnesota i mentioned brock Faber. he's a rookie but he's playing great but th- they've got an inexperienced guy on every d pair in uh in minnesota this year so you know what if if they want to put Faber up against mcdavid you'll take that matchup if you're edmonton of course you would right and you'll say hey we will uh we think we can we can find some openings on that back end, Zach Bogosian is out now. So uh, Dakota Mermis, who is uh, who's bounced around, this is tonight will be his 66th NHL game. Now he's 30 years of age, right? The guy's played a lot in the American League. He's never really established himself. This is the most games. This will be his 39th game in one season. Prior to this year, he never played more than 10 NHL games in one year, right? So he's not what you would classify as a real experienced defender. And then you throw in uh, uh, Declan Chisholm. All right, young guy, this will be his eighth NHL game tonight. Drafted by the Jets back in 2018, got in four games with the Jets, uh, moved to the Minnesota organization this year, and uh, tonight will be his fourth game with the Wild. So anytime you have an experienced blue liner, you got to take advantage of it. Right? You have to. So there is an opportunity for the orders. Have a good weekend. And, uh, you know, win both games and you're automatically, regardless of what Vegas does, the orders will exit the weekend in second place in the Pacific Division. Vancouver, like last night, the orders could not have asked for, uh, the only, I guess, would have been had Detroit won in regulation. The LA Kings, who are right behind the orders, suddenly they lost to Nashville. Vancouver lost to Seattle. Vegas lost to Toronto. And Colorado lost in overtime. Dallas also losers last night. So it was like perfect for them. Meanwhile, Minnesota was complete opposite. St. Louis won, Nashville won, Seattle won, and Calgary won. All the teams that are battling for the uh, the final playoff spot. Uh, you know, if you look at L.A., uh, you know, they got a little bit of, uh, they got some games in hand and they got a cushion. But those other four teams now, St. Louis could sell off. Calgary, we know, is going to sell off. Nashville, Minnesota, maybe, probably. Like, although Bill Guerin, like, it wouldn't shock me if Bill Guerin decided to just stand pat and maybe make a small addition to his team and say, you know what, we just want to get in. Because they have one more year of salary cap hell due to the buyouts. And then I think they're going to rock and roll. And look, to me, they have got a number one defenseman coming in Brock Faber. And when you have a number one defenseman, you can build a lot of things around him uh, pretty easily. So... uh yeah, there we go. Hey, Gregor, Calder eligibility rules mean Bedard's not eligible. Nugent and McDavid both did not get the trophy because they were injured. McDavid was even the rookie of the month, and every month he played from Dan. Well, keep in mind that Connor McDavid missed significantly more time. He missed almost half the season. He only played 48 games. Right? Now, Nugent Hopkins is the one who I did think got screwed out because, yes, he missed 20 games, but he had the exact same point total as Landeskog. How was he better? Right now, Bedard has only missed, I think it's 12, maybe 14 games. Right. So it's not, it's not a huge amount. Right. He's coming in there. There is a lot of name recognition that some voters have to get over. It's not about who you think's going to be the best player who's going to have the best career. That's not what it's about. It's who's having the best rookie season. And when you look at, yes, Bedard's scoring, but he's getting absolutely crushed. Five on five as far as goals, four goals against. Right? Brock Faber's not. Brock Faber's playing the toughest minutes of any rookie in the league by a mile. And he's excelling at it. And he's chipping in points. Like, he's only got seven fewer points than Bedard as a defenseman. So, um, Bedard, I, 
You know what? He'll be a finalist for sure, but he's not the slam dunk that I keep reading from people. I'm like, look past the name. Look past the name because uh, there's got to be uh, more to it for sure. Hey, Gregor, do you think Edmonton will get the all-star game uh, before Calgary? Calgary wants it for the new arena, and so does Edmonton. Who should get it? John from St. Albert. Well, remember that Edmonton has said they were never going to apply for the draft for the all-star game until they had things uh, finished around the arena. They didn't want to have the whole NHL come and have all this footage of their, their downtown core where it wasn't completed. So now it's pretty much complete. Right, right across you, you have the open skating area, all those sorts of things. So I, I know that Edmonton is now looking at it. Now, the All-Star game, of course, uh, probably isn't going to be one for two years. So it'd be in 2027. Um, is Calgary's rink, like, is it going to be ready then? Yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't think that Calgary would, uh, would get it right away at that point. I could be wrong, but I'd be surprised. Um, I, I know there's some people, wow, Edmonton never got one. Edmonton never asked for one. The past few years. That's why they never had one. The NHL would gladly have given them one, but they didn't ask for it because they wanted all of the downtown stuff finished before they would have uh, everybody come in here. So. Hey, boys. Here's a little something positive on Pause of Friday. Enjoy your weekend from Big G. And then he sent a vintage uh, Hartford Whalers hat picture. Big G. Never a bad thing. Never a bad thing. Hey, boys, uh, how long do you have to be on IR before you consider to be on LTIR? Is it 10 NHL games or 24 days? I'm referring to Mark Stone as a trade deadline lose who will be under 10 NHL games. Um, once you're placed on LTIR, you can't play a game. You have to miss at least 10 games or 24 days, whichever one comes first. Right? But Stone, he has a lacerated spleen. He's not coming back anytime soon, right? So, no, he's on LTR right now, so he's out for a month. But, and I know people, the conspiracy theories are out heavily. Like, let's not have politic conspiracy theories slide into the NHL, okay? Yes, Mark Stone, this is the third year in a row he's been injured and placed on LTIR in February. But what a lot of people don't don't, don't want to mention is, is that in 2022, he came off of LTIR in April and played the final nine games of the regular season, so there is no cat benefit that you claim, and they still missed the playoffs. Now, last year, he went on LTIR, had back surgery. Actually, it was in January even. Back surgery. Yes, they might have delayed his return a week or two for cap reasons for sure but also because remember the one people the one thing people said was hey if you if you would just make it that your playoff roster needs to be cap compliant similar to your regular season number right guess what vegas's game day roster in the playoffs last year was under 82.5 mil i know people they don't they don't like that they're like hey wait a sec that doesn't match with what i'm mad about don't tell me that i know but the truth does matter Okay. Yes, Nikita Kucherov in Tampa Bay. He had major surgery. The benefit was they had it in December when the season was short. Right? If that's a full season, wouldn't have happened. Right? He would have had it at the start of the year. Let's say if we're talking a regular calendar year, if he'd had surgery in September, well, guess what? They wouldn't have held him out the whole year because it was it would have been ready to play by the end of January or February. Vegas Putting Mark Stone on LTIR. Do you know when it happened? Shea Theodore just came off of long-term IR. He had missed 35 straight games. Vegas is 24th in the NHL since November 10th. I cannot believe the amount of people who think Vegas was like, okay, you know what we're going to do? We're going to fake this injury. So we can put Mark Stone, our leading scorer, on LTIR for the rest of the year. It's going to force us to give up assets to acquire someone because now we have more cap space to use. This is a brilliant plan. Think about how stupid that is. Just think about it, okay? Now, I can't guarantee that Mark Stone is uh, 
how long he's going to be out, I don't know. No one knows. But Mark Stone, if you want the correct assessment, he's injury prone in the second half of the season. It's three years in a row. One year, he came back before the, the end of the regular season. Didn't help his team win. The other year, he came back for the playoffs. They won. So which so is it only the second one you're going to remember? You're going to forget the first one? How can anyone say with confidence that Mark Stone this year won't be exactly the Mark Stone of 2022? I don't know the answer to that. You don't know the answer to that. But it's a waste of time to suggest that Vegas did this on purpose. He has a lacerated spleen, for goodness sakes. Okay? This isn't like a cut to Connor Halley's finger, which has kept him on the IR for a bit, okay? It's not the same. It's a little bit more serious. So, we'll see. But um, all I know is Vegas is struggling. They're hoping Jack Eichel's probably going to return sometime in their upcoming five-game road trip. And guess what, people? That means there's no cap circumvention. He was placed on LTIR. Why? Because he was hurt. Same as Dylan Holloway. Same as other people that are on LTIR on other teams. Yeah, it happened once with Mark Stone. That doesn't mean it happens all the time. Shea Theodore was on LTIR. Why? Because he was hurt. And now he comes back off. That's how it works. Quick break uh, coming up on the uh, show today. Man, we got a loaded show for you. We will uh, hear from uh, Joe Smith. We got uh, the two-minute warning. We're going to hear from Ryan Nugent Hopkins because he was like you on Wednesday night. How did Ryan Nugent Hopkins handle watching the game from the comfort of his couch? Hasn't happened very often in his career. How did he, how did he like it? We'll find out. Oiler fans, guess what? You might have more similarities than Nugent Hopkins the fan as you thought. So, because I asked him about being a fan on his couch for a day. That's coming up in the first hour. We got uh, Eric Francis talk about the Flames two weeks from the deadline. Uh, Craig Button, Wanya Gretz, Speck, LT, and more on a busy Monday, Friday edition of the Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Pause the Friday continues on. Welcome back, Jason Gregor, Connor Halley with you. Sports 1440, Orders Nation YouTube and Facebook. You can always listen to online at sports1440.ca. Anywhere where you uh, have the apps, Stingray app, uh, the radio player app, I highly recommend those. They're fantastic, and uh, you can tune in crystal clear anywhere across the whole country. It's fantastic. Now, let's get to uh, Around the NHL, brought to you by McDonald's. And uh, it's near the end of the month. And what a great way for you to end the month. Stop in at McDee's. You can have a McRib, which is back for a limited time, and... The Shamrock Shake. Oh, what a great combination. Shamrock Shake and the McRib only at McDonald's. And uh, a great combination lately has been the uh, the Minnesota Wilds top line. As uh, Erickson Eck and Kirill Kaprizov each had three goals and three assists in their uh, 10-7 come-from-behind unexpected victory over the uh, Vancouver Canucks earlier this week. You throw in Matt Boldy, who has 11 points in seven games, 14-13 and 13 for Kaprizov and Erickson Eck, and it's a pretty dominant top line for the uh, Wild, who, uh, hey, this is not the Minnesota Wild of old. They can score, and they give up a lot of goals, too. So uh, it should be an entertaining game. Uh, longtime uh, beat reporter in the NHL, now covering the uh, Wild, Joe Smith. Joins us, Joe, from The Athletic. How you doing, my man? Doing well. How are you guys doing? Hey, I'm great, uh, Joe. It's you know, it's it's funny when you you look at the at the wild. Like for the longest time, still when you think Minnesota, you think uh, defense, but uh, they've kind of shed that a little bit. They probably wish they were maybe a little bit tighter uh, defensively. But how much of that is due to the fact that you know they got a lot of youth on their back end now? Faber's playing unreal, but you know you've got Maramis who has you know less than a full season of NHL experience and he's 30 years of age, and then you know another young guy is going to play his eighth game tonight in 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 uh, in. Declan Chisholm, how much of inexperience in your second and third pairs factor into you know how much goals the Wild have given up this year? Well, I think their whole idea is still the whole grit first mentality, right? They still their 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 method to winning is not going to be outscoring teams or having that historic game on Monday where they scored ten goals to beat Vancouver. But I think it's been this year, you know, the goaltending hasn't been quite as good as it was last year when Gustafson had a you know kind of a year that you can put them in a Vezina finalist conversation. You know, they've been pretty good, but they've had some 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 games that have been more difficult. And you also don't have Jared Spurgeon for pretty much other than 16 games the entire season. Jonas Brodine, who got injured here at Edmonton on a Evander Kane hit uh, back in the fall, missed a chunk of time. So 
I think it's a combination of all those factors. Um, ideally, they, they win the game by defending and, and, and finding a way to score goals. Like They have guys up front like Kirill Kaprizov and Boldy, but um, yeah, I don't think John Hines' teams wants to get in those 6-5, to 5-4 games, which oftentimes when you play Edmonton Oilers, that's what happens. Well, it has happened. For, well, there was a stretch where it never happened. The owners never gave up two goals, and now suddenly they're giving up three every night. Um, Mark Andre Fleury's not playing tonight. Gustafson's going to get the start. Um, there's a lot of people wondering, like the Wild are right in it. I know last night was like a terrible situation for them. All the teams are chasing one. But wh- where are you at on Mark Andre Fleury? If the Wild are in the hunt, I don't see any reason he gets traded. But let's just say they go in a funk here and lose four or five leading into the deadline. You think there's a chance he gets dealt? Well, I think it's certainly possible. That's a conversation that Bill Guerin will have to have with Mark Andre Fleury uh, if it gets to that point. And he said, and he's told us, you know, Fleury's going to call the shots here. He has a no move clause. Uh, he's earned the right to have a chance to choose if that's if there are teams that are calling, which I'm sure there will be teams that are looking for goaltending, like a one A and one B or a uh, insurance. Um, but our, our feeling is that you know Fleury would prefer to stay. He prefer to make the playoffs with his team. I think he's 17 straight years he's been in a playoffs, so that's something he's always taken pride in doing but um but yeah i think i think if if there was a perfect scenario for him to go and play um and be part of another contending team and play in the playoffs and not just be a guy in the in the back behind the scenes i think that that's something that uh both he and the wild would have to consider when you look at a team like do you see a fit like Carolina, maybe like I was, I was trying to go over a team where he could be kind of like a, you know, like the for sure starter. I had an outside of Carolina. I'm not sure I see one. Do you? Well, Carolina has like four goalies right now, right? Yeah. You know, they have a logjam of in, I think, you know, the Jersey struggled, you know, goaltending wise. I think the avalanche might be one of those teams where he won't go in there and be the bonafide number one starter. But if they start to, to split the net or, or share or, have a history of sharing the net a little bit there, then that might be an intriguing option on a cup contending team. But, but yeah, there are, there aren't many teams. I mean, there could always be an injury in the next six, seven days. It changes everything, but yeah, there are not a lot of teams that are looking for necessarily a number one goalie. Um, and he's that number one goalie right now with the wild. They're both kind of splitting with him and Augustuson turns in the net. So, um, but yeah, there's not really many uh, teams that are looking for just the, the bonafide number one. Yeah, no, I would agree. Uh, Joe Smith joins us. Uh, you know, the Wild are one year away from getting out of salary cap hell, the, the dead cap space of $14.7 million. And, you know, they've been competitive. They made the playoffs last year. They're right in the mix again this year. And, you know, Bill Guerin's being rewarded. He's going to be the, uh, the GM for uh, the Olympics for the USA and the upcoming uh, Four Nations Cup. Um, when you look at the job he's done now, he was the one who made the decision to buy out both Suter and Parise. And I could probably make an argument, Joe, that even if they had kept him, I'm not sure they would have been any better. You know what I mean? So in hindsight, do you think that was the right move? Oh, man, that's a, a tough one. I mean, I think, yeah, I think you're, I think you're right in the sense that if they would have kept him, that they, I don't think they would have necessarily been going on a lot of runs. Uh, there in the playoffs. They haven't been since they left. They knew there'd be some pain, some short-term pain with the salary cap, not having the same type of roster you could have if you had that salary cap space. Um, they also wanted to change a little bit of the culture in the room and, and allow guys that are younger to step up and, and become leaders and, and take charge in there, which I think that that has happened uh, with the leadership group that they have now. You have to give room for guys like the the, the favors and the boldies and, and, and whoever else to kind of step in and, and be comfortable with that. So, um, so yeah, I think for the combination of factors, I think it's easy hindsight to go change your mind on it. But I think overall uh, it's more about what they can do with what they have now and, and how they take advantage of that cap space and or lack thereof uh, in a year when they can do something. Joe, I'm a firm believer that um, you know, if I was voting today, Brock Faber would be my number one vote for the Calder. Uh, to see a rookie defenseman since December 1st play the most minutes in the NHL. All season, I think he's 10th, but since December 1st, he's first. And I know that that's due to the injury to Spurgeon, but still, for a rookie guy to get thrust in, he's played, I think now it's the ninth or 10th most minutes against elite players in the league. So it's not like he's getting sheltered by any stretch. And he's done incredibly well. Um, did did you, anybody expect him to be this good 
And are you surprised at how well he has handled the jump to the NHL as a rookie? Well, first off, he'd be my vote, too, uh, right now for the, the call. Nothing, nothing taken away from Connor Bedard, but for a guy to play that kind of meaningful and heavy minutes in your first NHL season, this is the first time he's played over 40 games in his, in his you know, career here, and he's playing at such a high level. Um, like He's been their best player on a lot of nights, and for a guy who just out of college, that's incredibly impressive. I think the, the, the expectation going in was he'd fill in for Matt Dumba in the top four that he would play like top four minutes, but I don't think people expected him to have these 30 plus minute games and, and being their number one defenseman um, pretty much all year. And it just kind of the perfect storm of issues with no Spurgeon for most year. Brodin got hurt. A lot of guys bouncing in and out. They had to have him as a stabilizer on most. He's running the power play as well. He didn't think he'd do that. So I think they thought he'd be really good. He was pretty seamless coming in as a uh in NHL last year in the playoffs against Dallas, he looked in a, in a different role, looked really good. So I think they thought he'd be good, but I don't I think this year has obviously been a very pleasant surprise in terms of just how important he has been uh, for this team. Now, what about Jake Middleton? Like, is he underrated in your eyes in, you know, maybe amongst many of us around the league or is he just benefactor from playing with favor? No, like, well, in, and he obviously played with Spurgeon before that, too, um, and he was a really good fit with him. Um, so I, I think he's a really underrated defenseman in the sense that he skates really well. Um, he's physical and tough. He's obviously had added some more scoring this year than he has in the past. Um, but, yeah, I think for a guy on the left side that can play with pretty much anybody, um, and then for what they got, they traded for him, and one of the better deals by Bill Guerin in recent years is getting him and at a relatively low contract too so um certainly with the wild he's not underrated because he, they know what how important he's been uh on a blue line that's really been banged up but yeah clearly he's been someone that's been really important this year looking ahead to tonight Connor mcdavid has 48 points in his last 20 home games are you expecting it to be faber and middleton uh, getting most of the minutes against mcdavid tonight i, w- I would imagine so i mean I, I think i think brodine a lot of times goes up against uh, McDavid, now like in years past, and I know he uh, lost his partner, usual partner, and Zach Bogosian, who's hurt, so he has a really young player in Declan Chisholm there, played next to him, but I think you could see some Brodine as well, um, as well as Faber, so that'll be a, probably a combo deal, depending on how the, the changes go, but uh, clearly in previous years, it's been uh, Brodine getting a lot of those minutes. Joe, uh, enjoy Edmonton, enjoy the game tonight, uh, and the road trip with the Wild, we appreciate your time. Anytime. Good talking to you guys. There Take you care. That's uh, Joe Smith, beat reporter for the uh, Minnesota Wild. Like, honestly, I think if you look back on it, as, as big of a hit it was, the I don't know if Minnesota, had you just kept those two players, if they'd have been any more competitive, and I could probably argue they might be less competitive had they kept both Parise and Suter. So it's... uh it was a it was a tough decision to be made. Um, they they did not hide the fact that they thought Suter was a major issue with his attitude inside the dressing room. They just didn't want him around anymore, and they're willing to to pay the price of the big cap. But now you know they're going to have to pay it out for a long time. But like it's it's between the two of them, it's fourteen point seven mil on the cap uh, this year and again next year, and there was twelve point seven the year before that. But then it drops down to a total of one point two for the next like five or six years. Like you never want dead cap space, but that's, that's pretty minimal uh, overall. So I think it's a, it, it was a tough decision, but one that I think ultimately is, has been better for the wild. They improved their, their character in their room internally from their standpoint. And, and I don't know if the team got significantly worse on the ice. Could argue maybe better. So it's worked out. 240. We'll come back. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. You'll hear from him after being a fan for a game. How was it? You'll find out next in the Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Hi. 245. Welcome back to Jason Gregor Show on Sports 1440, Orders Nation, YouTube, and Facebook. How are you? It's game day. Oilers taking on the Minnesota Wild with an opportunity to uh, move into second place in the Pacific Division. And from November 10th, 
until tonight. The orders could have erased a 20-point deficit. Vegas was 20 points ahead of the orders on November 10th. That was after that uh, dreadful loss in San Jose. I'm not sure many people thought, myself included, that they were going to catch Vegas. But here we are. And uh, they could catch him and then still have three games in hand. Nuts. Uh, I Like, if Play Alberta would have had a line, I don't think anybody would have took it at that point. The Oilers were 31st in the NHL. They just lost to the 32nd place team. They're actually tied with San Jose, but had game in hand, so technically they were ahead of them. But uh, here they are <laughs> now. They are uh, on the brink of tying Vegas. And uh, Vegas uh, injury woes, that's been a big factor for their season. Shea Theodore's missed uh, 35 games. He just came back in the first game. Shea Theodore came back. Mark Stone got injured, lacerated spleen. All right, Aiden Hill. Aiden Hill played one game in two months. Now, then he returned, and his first four games were good, including one against Edmonton. But uh, his last four games, Aiden Hill has an 878 save percentage and a 4.44 goals against average. You know, they talk about, you know, you come back from injuries and you can get by an adrenaline for the first few games and then all of a sudden uh, maybe reality kicks in. Well, that might be happening with Aiden Hill. So, uh, you know, we'll see. But uh, Alex Martinez, William Carey, lots of different guys. William Carlson was out for 15 games. Jack Eichel has missed 15. Uh, whole- hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. When he returns uh, sometime in this upcoming road trip. So, see how it goes. Now, let's uh, get to... The two-minute warning with Cam Tate brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling, home with the no payments, no interest for one full year. Whether you want to get a furnace or you're planning ahead, you're like, man, I do not want SWAS this summer. I'm going to get an AC. Well, you can do it at LegacyHeating.ca. Thanks there, Big G. A great big brand new Positive Friday where what's-his-name Cam Tate thinks Wednesday night's Oiler game was just get ready for this. Grandpa, a speed bump. Okay, a speed bump. Fast Eddie here reading Cam's words. Near the end of the second period Wednesday night against the Boston Bruins, the Oilers threw everything, including the most coveted Zamboni parts, at the Bruins in a span of about two minutes. They had jump, razor-sharp passes. The Evan Bouchard kept firing howitzers. Love that word, don't you? <laughs> From the point and the residents of Rogers Place recognized the Oilers' effort, and that is the operative word of this broadcasting extravaganza. Effort. Now, of course, the Oilers went on to lose 6-5 to the Bruins in overtime in a highly entertaining tilt with two of the NHL's top guns. Lots of howitzers there, showing they could be playing deep into spring. Couldn't help but noticing chat Thursday, the Oilers lost to Boston. Some conversations even had that uncomfortable tone, suggesting the sky was falling. It wasn't, of course. On the contrary, I view it as a speed bump. Say it with me, speed bump. The recent Oilers' 16-game unbeaten streak saw some fabulous hockey, especially on the back end. 
So allowing six goals Wednesday wasn't something a little out of the ordinary. Excuse me for a sec while I check out the window. Nope, sky ain't falling. The Oilers continue their home cooking buffet tonight against the Minnesota Wild. Saturday, those pesky Calgary Flames are here, followed by the Los Angeles Kings and then St. Louis Blues. I honestly think the Oilers will win three of their next four. Seven points in the homestand. Tonight, four. To Edmonton tonight. Empty net goal. Sorry there, old buddy Billy Guerin. Two-minute warning. Monday, Friday. Sports, 1440. Cam Tate joins us every uh, Monday and Friday here on Sports 1440. We got uh, a lot of text, but I want to get to this because, um, you know, you're always curious as fans. Me as a media guy, too. Like, you know, how do players, like sitting out players don't like it. Like, imagine you love your job and uh, one day now you got to sit at home and watch other people do your job that you love and you don't get to do it. Probably not great. So I asked Nugent Hopkins, who, of course, uh, like guys, and it's different, I think, uh, sitting even in the rink when you're at home. So I just asked him, how was it, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, the fan? More stressful? How was it for him? Do you find sitting at home watching it, is it more nerve-wracking and infuriating than when you're on the bench? Uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely is uh, more nerve-wracking. Uh, even before the game, I start to get nervous for it, and I know I'm just watching it. So um, it's it's a lot tougher, even especially at being at home. Like, when you're at the rink, at least you're kind of in it, and if you're upstairs, you you feel like you're a part of it a little bit. But um, when you're just watching on TV, sitting, sitting on your couch or in bed, it's uh, uh, a lot tougher and uh, more frustrating at times and, and then exciting and uh, and that game was a bit of a roller coaster too. So um, uh, high emotions, low emotions. But um, yeah, I mean, y- you want to be a part of it. So uh, definitely tougher to, to sit at home. Do you curse at all when you're watching at home? Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm, I'm cursing, but other times when I'm getting a little, little fired up. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, you want to be a part of it. So uh, there's. There's definitely moments where you get a little heated. Do you yell more at your teammates from your coach than you would from the bench? <laughs> uh, uh, no, I, I was I was pretty good. Uh, uh, obviously, it was uh, the second period. It, like I said, it, it seemed to slip away a little bit. But going into the third, uh, I, I kind of we had that confidence, and I had the confidence that we'd be able to, to push back and. Uh, there was no yelling directly at my teammates. So that's, that's You're a, a main regular on the penalty kill, and it was great for a long stretch, and, and now it's hit the skids here a, a little bit. What do you see from your perspective that needs to change to get back, to not even 89%, but just you know respectable? Well, I think something that we can we can do to, to help us is just uh, up our pace and um, up our pressure a little bit. Uh, I'm not even saying that's that's the reason why it's been slipping, but when it when it does start to slip, I think uh, as a PK as a, as a power play, it's tough when uh, they're they're coming at you in waves and uh, everybody's in sync and you move the puck to to the next guy and there's already somebody there. So I think we can just try to up our pace a little bit and uh, and work as a unit. Um, we went through a really good stretch where we know that uh, what we're capable of, and, uh, and we believe that we can get back to it. But it's it's going to take work, and uh, I think that's just one little thing that uh, should be able to help us out. So there you have it. Uh, Nugent Hopkins didn't curse, but uh, you know, instead, he got fired up a few times, probably, and he alluded to it later on. The uh, second period, of course, was not the uh, the period of enjoyment for uh, Nugent Hopkins, uh, like many others. Right. It wasn't. So um, it is it is interesting. You know, you talk about at least if you're even, a, a, you know, a healthy scratcher injured and you're in the rink, you just kind of feel like you're a little bit closer. But when you're at home now, now fans, hey, if you're freaking out, you're like, oh, well, it's kind of normal. Although he didn't curse. He didn't throw anything at the TV. And uh, he'll be back in the lineup tonight. He'll play the left side with dry settle. Evander Kane is going to play the right wing. And had a long chat with uh, Chris Knobuck about, you know, guy playing on his offside, doesn't play there all the time, but uh, feels it came because he's a left shot on, on when you ring the puck around as a left shot playing the right side, you can get on your forehand more, look back towards the corner, feels it's actually a little bit of a benefit. You know? Now, it's for a team that pinches down a lot. Right, because then you're on your forehand. If you want, you can go back to safety, right? But he then said you got to be really good on your backhand to get it out. That's the uh, that's the difference. So 
we'll uh, we'll see how it works tonight against the uh, Wild. Who uh, you know what? They've, they've been scoring lots lately, but they also uh, they push the pace. They like to they like to attack. So uh, this this to me this is not the old days of the Minnesota Wild. I don't expect to see the Wild sitting back. I don't expect to see them trapping. I, I don't think they have really the uh, the the lineup. To do that, to be honest, uh, Erickson Eck, who, who is kind of the, well, not kind of, he's their best defensive center, but right now he's also their best offensive center. He's playing on their top line with Kaprizov and Boldy. And, uh, I think this is, uh, this is not going to be the Minnesota Wild games that we're used to when the Wild will cut. Cause every time I see the jersey, I still think, oh God, it's a wild, but I don't much anymore. Honestly, Kaprizov's entertaining, Erickson Eck, Boldy. Right, you look like Ryan Hartman, Zuccarello, Johansson. That's not a line that you're like, oh, this is going to be a shutdown line. Like Marco Rossi, Jake Lucchini, and Vinny Letteri are the third line. Does that strike you as a line that, ooh, they can bottle you up? No. So they don't have it. And uh, th- this is one where uh, I expect that uh, you'll see uh, exchanging of chances at both ends. Obviously, the orders want to limit theirs. They've been giving up too many lately. They want, they want to improve there, but uh, this is a game where I think Edmonton is going to get chances. And usually when, uh, when the orders get chances, they will, uh, they will bury them more often than not. They lead the NHL in five on five goals coming out of the all-star break. We know they're terrible on the penalty kill, especially lately, uh, allowing 11 power play goals in their last seven games. Ouch. 11 of 22 chances. Uh, Nugent Hopkins comes back and the power play of the wild. Like this is a tough one because the wild's power play comes in. They're 30% in their last seven games against a penalty kill. that's only 50%. So try not to uh, take many penalties, I guess would be the uh, captain obvious statement of the day. Uh, got a few texts guys. What's up with uh Knobloch? Uh, I th- why do coaches always have to change lines? It irks me to no end from Frank. Well, Frank, I guess here's my question. So Ryan Nugent Hopkins didn't play last game. Warren Fogle took a spot, and Warren Fogle played great. So when you're looking for other things and you kind of want to see what you have in guys, what's the big negative in leaving Warren Fogle there? So then if Fogle stays there, you're obviously not going to – I don't think you're going to put Nugent Hopkins out of your top six, so he goes with Drysaddle and Kane, and him and Drysaddle played lots together. So then that moves somebody down to the second line. You've, you've got McLeod, Yanmark, and Perry, which was your third line last game. So I really, I've only seen like, it's basically the second and the fourth line that get changed. So I, I don't, like, what do you expect? Nugent Hopkins comes back. I, I don't really have a problem. I think, I think people in Edmonton, like honestly at times, you guys overreact and girls to line juggling. That you think that just every team just keeps their lines together all the time. Like it doesn't really happen. Like there's a few, sure. How many? How many lines do you think there are around the league? Because A, number one, injuries come up. And sometimes injuries might only be five games, or four games, three games. Well, now you got to switch your lines. And all of a sudden you switch your lines and suddenly, geez, here's this new combination. Guys are feeling it, so we'll keep them together for a while. I, I think it's unfair to expect a co- – because for the longest time he didn't change his lines. I think the Oars have had pretty good consistent lines. Now with injuries and a few other things, they don't. But uh, I don't have uh, I don't have much of a problem with it at all. Uh, hey, Gregor, can you ask Connor about the NFL? How does this uh, impact the teams with the massive thirty million dollar increase in salary cap? That is massive, right? And all it does, cons. I think if like if you're the Kansas City Chiefs, you are doing cartwheels. Yeah, well, I mean, hey, if you're a team like the LA Chargers who you know had to do a little cap gymnastics to get to. Twenty million over. Now you have ten million dollars in cap space without doing anything else. It's just the NFL being more profitable, right? Giving your teams more money to spend here for the team like the Chiefs. Absolutely, those guys. Chris Jones, hey, he's a big time free agent. Well, now you have thirty million dollars more to work with. I, I I'm going to ask you about it in five questions, but I think there's a few different people that are certainly going to benefit from this. And uh, the NFL, we know it's a money maker. I don't know the exact reason for it, Gregor, but I yeah. joked on uh, Fantasy Frenzy. I'm just going to thank Taylor Swift. <laughs> getting that extra revenue giving hey. the league more money thank sure. you taylor well um something tells me the league's in a pretty strong <laughs> yeah. position right now that's uh that's what i'll say it took the nhl i believe 10 years to make a 30 million jump in cap space yeah. the nfl doing it this past off season oh yeah well the nfl is you know it's just a different league i don't yeah uh, yeah uh, it's just different right um 
Nothing wrong with that. It's different. It's a, it's a unique model because they play one game a week and they build it up and people go nuts over it. So good. Less is more sometimes. That's what I figured out. Less is more. Make people, they just, they yearn for it. They're just like, oh my God, I can't wait. When's a game? When's a game? You know, in the NHL, there's games every night. That's why I've said I actually think it's a benefit sometimes. If you went dark two or three nights a week, I'd actually think that would increase the interest of your fans. Let's get to the Con Man of Sports 1440 update brought to you by BIE Engineering, specializing in all your residential, commercial, and industrial structural engineering needs. Go to BIEENG.com. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops if we're stopping to get gas. You will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. <laughs> and so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs> 